Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Can we give them another round of applause this morning to all of our moms? Yes. Hope you guys have a fantastic, awesome day. And today's also a really special day in the life of our church because right now in Knoxville, our Knoxville location is in the theater for their first time, their first day. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, God. Yeah, excited for you guys. They have two services now, 9 and 11. They were just doing an 11 o'clock service, and so now they're right on track. We streamed the, the first service and, and now uh, the second service, so I'm really excited for you guys and love what God is doing there. Today, we are starting a new series called Road to Redemption. We're going to study the life of Moses, and so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Exodus chapter 1. I encourage you guys to bring your Bibles. We're going to work our way through uh, the book of Exodus and his story and the life of the Israelites. And I think it's going to be an incredible 11 weeks uh, that we're going to spend together on this story. You're going to be shocked to to really learn and, and see just how much you have in common with Moses and his leadership in your life. And And really, I'd love to start here today. I think most of us realize that life can be extremely difficult. We make so many mistakes along the way and it gets easy for us to give up hope and think that life just isn't going to get better. I was talking to someone after the first service today and um, the the, the comment was made that uh, he just felt like he just continually makes mistakes and he's tired of making mistakes. And and, uh, some of us feel that way. Sometimes we feel like those mistakes are just always going to haunt us and prevent us from experiencing the life that God wants us to actually experience. And so as we start today, I want you to know that no matter where your story began, it can always be redeemed. No matter what problem you're going through today, it can be redeemed by God. Now, our problem is that oftentimes uh, we try to fix our own problems our own way. So we try to go our own road. We try to do our own thing. And when we do that, it often leads to more problems and and, uh, hopelessness and we run into issues, right? But in this series, I want to help you discover that you have to get to the end of your road. In other words, the end of your way. And then you can take God's road to redemption. And God's road to redemption is, is always the road that leads to Jesus, Right? We all need to get on that road. I pray and, and, and I hope that through this series, you understand what that looks like and means for your life. And in chapter one today, we're going to dive into the story. Now, the beginning of the story, we need a little bit of context. So really quickly, uh, let me give you about 800 years of history in about 60 seconds. Uh, Abraham was chosen by God. He's a pagan a farmer just kind of living his life. God chooses him and makes a covenant with him, a promise to him. And the promise is I'm going to make your descendants multiply and I'm going to make you a great nation and I'm going to give you a land for this this nation to live in. You're going to be my people. And so uh, from from Abraham then, uh, he has Isaac and then Isaac has Jacob, Right? And then Jacob has 12 sons. And the 12 sons of Jacob are the 12 tribes of Israel. And the youngest son um, was his favorite son. And his name was Joseph. And if you remember the series we did several uh, months ago called Dangerous Dreams, we went through the life of Joseph. But basically, the older brothers of Joseph hated him. 
And so one day they decided to beat him up and they sold him into slavery. And um, the, uh, then they took him to Egypt and he was in prison and, and uh, interpreted some dreams. And uh, long story short, he became the prince of Egypt. He was like the governor of Egypt. He was able to see, or because of a, a, a dream that God gave to him, that famine was coming. And so he was a great farmer, great mind, great leader, saved up a lot of uh, grain and food to get the nation and really the whole region through the famine. And part of the journey was that Jacob and all the other sons came to live into Egypt, right? And so, so this is how God's hand was kind of working. God wanted the people of Israel to be in Egypt. And they're in Egypt because Joseph was such a great leader. Um, the Pharaoh at the time loved him and loved his family and let him live there and gave him the best of the best. And uh, Egypt was just a fantastic place to live at that time, uh, right? They had the food, they had the tech, greatest technology, greatest medicine that the world had seen by, at that time. And so they were really comfortable and they started to multiply. God started to answer um, the, the, the promise that he had given to them in Egypt. Now, here we are in Exodus chapter one. We're gonna start in verse eight. The first seven verses talk about um, the sons of Jacob, the tribes of Israel. And then it says, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So this new Pharaoh didn't know the story that I just told you about Joseph, how, what a great leader he was. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. God's blessing was upon the people and he was fulfilling his promise. They were multiplying the people of Israel are too many and mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape uh, from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. And they made uh, their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Um, uh, this story is one where we'll learn so much about God and how he works and in, in, in who he is and in this opening scene, the, the current Pharaoh didn't know who Joseph was or who the Israelites were. He didn't remember, he had forgotten. And so he sees them multiply and he is afraid. Verse 14, now because of his fear, he makes them slaves. He's afraid that they're gonna grow up all these people are going to form an army and they're going to attack and they're going to take over. And so they're, they're, they're greatly afraid. And it's out of that fear that he forces them into bondage and, and slavery. And so I want to start today with this point that the road to redemption always involves suffering. And this is true in the life of the Israelites. And it's going to be true in your life as well. God allows suffering into our life. And some of you know it well because you're going through it today. You're experiencing something that is difficult right now. And the obvious question when we go through suffering is why? Why, God, would you allow this to happen? Why, God, would you allow this pain in my life? Why didn't you, you know, save me for the, from this? 
Why, God? This is a question that we ask when things are difficult, right? Why is our marriage so hard? Why are our kids acting crazy? Why am I not getting the promotion that I think I should get? And we go through seasons of loss and pain and we're asking God this question, why? And I think when we ask this question, we need to understand the reality of sin. See, sin is a very real, real thing. And, and when we experience suffering, it's, it's uh, from one of two sins. It's this, my sin, right? I sin and there are consequences for my sin and my actions. And therefore, sometimes suffering comes into my life because of my decisions. Or it could be the sins of someone else. They sin against me. Either way, the, the root of suffering is always sin. And you might say, well, God is sovereign, Trent. He's in control. Why can't he just prevent that suffering? Why didn't he just prevent me from suffering? And it is true. God can prevent suffering in our life. But, but that's not always his plan. His plan for the Israelite people is that they would go through this season of suffering and and we're going to have to experience the same thing in our life. We, we will go through seasons of suffering. And, and it's because God has purpose for pain. He has purpose for suffering. I want to give you two reasons, and I think we see it here in the text. The first reason we go through suffering is that God wants you to grow. In verse 12, it says that the more that Pharaoh oppressed the people, the more they grew. <laughs> the joke's on Pharaoh, right? The joke's on him. He was trying to oppress them and, and, and lead them to stop multiplying and, 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 and God's favor on them and, and the growth. And, and it really just backfired because the more they were oppressed, the more God blessed. And so we understand that when we go through suffering, that God wants to grow us. And he sometimes allows that to happen because he is essentially growing us. And so this is what's happening for the Israelite people. By keeping them in bondage, God is turning them into a great nation. And so if your heart is heavy today because you're going through a difficult season, just remember this. In the midst of suffering, God is working something great in you. He wants to grow you. He's preparing you for a great work. He's testing you so that you will lean into him and that you would experience his grace and love. You may not understand it yet, but when God's people suffer, they can know that God has a plan for that suffering. You don't go through pain for no reason. You go through pain because God has a purpose and that purpose is to grow. I love what Charles Spurgeon once wrote about suffering. He said, be patient then my brethren, amidst the persecution or trials you may be called upon to bear. And be thankful that they are so often overruled for the growth of the church, the spread of the gospel and the honor of Christ. You see, you don't get to choose your suffering. Sometimes it's our mistakes that lead us to this, but you know, oftentimes things happen in a sinful world that break our hearts. And so if your heart is heavy, we, we, we wanna remember that God is gonna grow us and we're gonna overcome those battles and God will use them to grow the church, to spread the gospel, and for you to honor Christ. I love that quote. Keeps things in perspective. And so when we experience suffering, we do so because God wants to grow us. But then secondly, we also know this. God wants you to look to the Savior. See, when we experience suffering, God wants us to look to him. 
God wants us to look to the Savior. He wants us to look to him to save us. Now, would the Israelite people have ever left the comfort of Egypt to go into a land that they had not known, right? The promised land. If they hadn't experienced suffering, would they have gone? And the answer is probably not. I mean, we're comfortable. When we're living a good life and we have everything we need, we don't really, you know, we struggle to look to God for salvation when everything is great. That's just human nature. It took suffering for the people to cry out to God, to look to God, to look for a savior. If we never go through difficulties, we would never long for Jesus. If we never go through suffering on this earth, we would never get excited and look to heaven and look forward to heaven. In fact, I I come across a lot of Christians who are so comfortable that they would say something like, well, you know, I'm going on vacation next week. I really hope Jesus doesn't come back because I'd really like to go to the beach for a week. As if the beach compares anything to heaven. Now we can laugh at that, but the truth is sometimes we think that way and we've got to be careful. See, this is why suffering comes into our life, that we would look to God, that we would, we would say, I can't wait for heaven, right? Um, oftentimes we struggle. When, if, if we never go through difficulties, we would never long for Jesus. Uh, it's why Jesus said it's really hard for a rich person to go to heaven. He said it's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. His point was that it's, it's, it's really common for rich people, people who have everything that we need, right? Comfortable people. Now, listen, you may not think you're rich, but you can go to the store today and buy eggs. They're 50% more expensive than they were last year, but you can go, <clears throat> right? We can get food today. You have a roof over your head, right? We have clothes. So, so the reality is, and in so many ways, we're comfortable And Jesus says, those people who are comfortable to have more than they need, it's harder for them to go to heaven. Why? Because they don't look for a savior because they feel like they have everything they need. And so when you go through suffering, there is a moment where you can say, God, I may not understand this, but I realize that you have a bigger purpose and I'm gonna look to you. And I thank you for the grace of getting my eyes on heaven. God's gonna work through your suffering. Well, for the Israelites, Before it gets better, it gets worse. Look at verse 16. This didn't work. Slavery, bondage didn't work. The people kept growing. And so when you, so Pharaoh says this in verse 16, when you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. So he tells the midwives who, A lot of people, uh, at least evangelical Christians, believe the midwives were actually uh, Israelites. And so when you, they're they're the ones helping women deliver babies. And so when you see a son delivered, you're to kill that son. You're to kill and execute uh, a baby if it's a boy. Imagine the fear of the women and the families and the nation of Israel, not only in bondage, but now in fear of genocide. Well, the Hebrew midwives feared God more than they feared uh, the king. And so they uh, did not follow his orders and the population continued to grow. Uh, When Pharaoh realized that his plan wasn't working, he took it to the next level in verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded everybody, everybody in Egypt, all his Egyptian people, 
He said, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So now the law of the land is that if you're an Egyptian, your king is telling you, if you see a Hebrew boy, you're to pick him up and throw him into the Nile River. Hebrew baby boy, throw into the river. This is a culture of death. This is a culture of death. He's trying to wipe them off the face of the earth. You might say, well, if he was trying, you know, effective genocide, wouldn't it be the, the girls that they would want to kill? But he wasn't worried about that. He was worried about these young men growing up in, to be warriors and to start a revolution and to take over. So he was worried about the men. Wherever there is a culture of death, you can be sure that Satan is trying to destroy the work of God. No matter if it's Adolf Hitler murdering Jews or if it's progressive liberals chiming, my body, my choice. A culture of death is anti-Christ. It is hatred of God. And as Christians, it is our duty, just like the midwives at this time, who the law of the land from the king was to murder children, right? It is our duty to speak up for the unborn. It is our duty to give voice to those who can't speak, to stand up for those who are being oppressed. No matter what the government says, we fight for life. It doesn't matter, yeah. It doesn't matter if you live in America or if you live in Europe or if you live in South America, your life is valuable, right? You're made in the image of God. It doesn't matter if you live outside of the womb or inside of the womb. Your geography does not matter. As a human being, you're made in the image of God. You are valuable. You have dignity and worth. And so I love the, this part of the story, the, the midwife standing up for life. But imagine being a mother at this time. All right, moms, I'm get you in your feels for a minute. Imagine the government said that if you were gonna have a boy, you had to have an abortion. Now everybody's for the second amendment all of a sudden. <laughs> if you weren't, now you are, right? Imagine that for a minute. That's essentially what's taking place. So for nine months, you don't know, you don't have the technology, you don't know if you're gonna have a girl or a boy. So you're worried to death. If I have a son, uh, they're gonna kill him. So you're probably hoping that you're gonna have a girl, right? You're, you, you're worried, you're stressed the whole pregnancy, right? This is where... Moses's mother would have been. I think, you know, this stresses moms out just to think about it. I'm sorry it's Mother's Day. I had to stress you out. <laughs> I remember when um, Micah was pregnant, my wife was pregnant with our first daughter. Um, I always have to remind people that she's my wife because if you're a first-time guest and you hear the name Micah, it's kind of, most people named Micah are men, right? So I always slide that in there just so you know. <laughs> He's always saying that's his wife. We know that. Well, just making sure. So she was pregnant with our first, Bailey, and, and uh, two months before she was due, she went into labor. Now, we were newbies, obviously, as parents. You know, we didn't know what was going on. She thought she had, was just having back pain. It was labor. And so we finally went to the hospital, and the doctor was like, you're going to have a baby tonight. In fact, they said, you're not leaving the hospital without a baby. And we were like, we are not ready. <laughs> You know, we are not ready and, and we were worried about just her health. We were worried about everything. We were fearful and worried and scared. Well, luckily, uh, thankfully, 
God um, used the doctors to allow the, 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 the pregnancy to, to stop and, and she was okay. But moving forward, the doctor said that she needed to be on bed rest for the next uh, two months or until, you know, the baby was actually born. And so for the next, you know, two months, uh, Micah had to like, lay on the couch, you know, and I was her little servant boy running around and, you know, I remember cutting big palm leaves and fanning her in the <laughs> living room and dropping grapes into her mouth, right, for two months, right? Thankfully, God, God gave us a healthy baby girl. But in that moment, like, you are really, really worried, right? You're really fearful. You can trust God and you're praying, and, but there's just still a lot of worry. And my, 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 my feeling is that there's probably a lot of uh, moms today who are worried about something, what are you worried about, mom? Think, think about it today. Let's, let's, let's bring it to the surface today and let's let God do some, some work on our hearts and our spirit today. What, what are the things in your life that you're truly worried about? Chances are um, there's some moms in the room worried. How about yeah, just kind of lift up your hands, mom, if you've ever been worried about one of your kids. Anybody want to admit that today? Everybody? Okay. Every mom here, I'm sure Knoxville too. Um, so let's see what happens in the face of this fear uh, when Moses' mother, her name is Jochebed, um, and so it's not mentioned in this part, but later on, I think it's chapter 6, we see her actual name. But let's read the next section in chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife, a Levite woman, this is Moses' parents. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child. Now, most people believe that Moses wrote the book of Exodus, <laughs> So you can kind of see the irony here. He was a fine child. <laughs> now, what it really means is that they saw that he was special, like God's hand was on him for whatever reasons. They could feel that God had a big purpose for him, okay? He was a fine child. She hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dubbed it with bitumine and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. All right, let's just pause there. We'll, we'll keep going. What is, what is happening here? Moses' mother is afraid for her child's safety. She is worried, right? And she is wondering, how in the world am I going to save this child? And so she hides him for three months. The first few months, they pretty much eat and sleep all the time. But then they wake up and, oh, my goodness, do they wake up. And they are no longer quiet. Right? So how do you keep this baby hidden? What is she going to do in, in the midst of this fear? She's fearing for her child's life. Now, some of you would be worried as well. Granted, that's a, that's a worry. Some of you worry too much. You know, your kid falls down off his bike and you're like, oh my gosh, he broke something, right? Or he's coughing and, oh, we got to go to the emergency room. You know, it's, it's like over the top, right? This is a little bit different. This is something that's a little bit, you know, okay, this is a serious, serious thing, right? And so worry was a part of her life. And so here's the second point I want you to grasp today. The road to redemption always requires letting go of control and holding on to faith in God. She is letting go of her son. She is letting him go. She doesn't know what else to do. She doesn't know what's gonna happen. She knows if she continues to try to keep him hidden, that eventually an Egyptian is going to hear the baby crying, come in and take her son and throw him into the river. And so out of this worry, what we see her doing 
is she's, she's actually taking a risk of letting her son go. Now, some of you, like me, uh, had one of your you know, kids or maybe a grandkid graduate. Um, and so there's been a lot of graduations this week in Knoxville and in Maryville, and everybody's graduating. And uh, thanks, by the way, school officials, for doing it on Mother's Day. Doesn't make it busy at all or anything, but thank you for that. Uh, different, different story. But anyway, so what do we do when our kids graduate and leave? And what do we do when our kids turn 16 and they start driving? And what do we do as they become teenagers and they get mouthy? And what, what, do, we, what do we do with these kids that, that have free wills and, and uh, do things differently and do things that we don't necessarily agree with? And, and so there's got to be a portion of us that understand uh, that when we go through these challenges as parents, as, as, as moms and dads, I, I want to encourage you to begin to, to let go and to have faith in God. And that's easy to say, right? Oh, yeah, have faith. Don't worry. Okay, I won't worry. Fine, don't worry. Well, that doesn't work, does it? So how do we, how do we, now some of you, you're going to need counseling to overcome the worry and anxiety that you're feeling. You're going to need a mentor to come into your life. Your prayer life has to get better. You've got to get into the word of God to begin to make a turn. You've got to, you, you do have to train yourself to take thoughts captive, right? So that's part of it. But part of the, the breaking of this cycle, I want to help you answer three questions today. I think they're questions that Jochebed had answered. And if you will, in the midst of the, 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 like the worry and the anxiety, if you'll go to these three questions, write them on a card, maybe that will be the, the habit breaker in your life that'll begin to shift your mentality and get it focused on the right things instead of the, the wrong things. And so here's the first question that I, that I think Moses' mom had answered. She, she had answered the, who do I live for question? Who do I live for? You're worrying you're worried about a kid, you're fearful about a situation, who do I live for? Do I live for myself? Do I live for the king or do I live for God? Do I live by faith or do I live by sight? Am I focused on what other people think about me as a parent? Because we all know this is true. If your kid does something great, you're proud. In other words, you have pride about their behavior and it makes you look good in the community. And you're quick to brag about that and you're quick to, hey, I feel good about this, right? Do we live for the praise and the opinions of other people as parents or do we live for God? There's a big difference because if you're living for the praise of what other people think about you as a parent, then you're just gonna try to control your kids all the time instead of influence them. It's a big shift. I think Jochebed lived by faith. And here's why I say that in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. So by faith, they hid him. That's where the faith was. We're going to hide him. We're not going to do what Pharaoh wants. We're not going to, you know, go the way of the, the normal crowd. We're going we're, we're, we're to actually live by faith here. And so what are we going to do? We're going to hide our child. Moms, who are you living for today? Do you live for the opinions of other people? Do you live your life to try to earn your way into heaven or to earn God's approval? Because you can't do that. If, you're, if, if, if you want heaven to be your home, if you want to know God, I mean, if you really want to know God, then you've got to recognize that you cannot 
work or do enough service to get into God's good graces. It's not how it works. You can't save yourself. You can't earn heaven. You can't be a good enough person to get into heaven. You gotta come to the end of your work and you have to give up control. You gotta realize that when Jesus died on the cross, he was doing the work for you. He died in your place. He rose from the grave, accomplishing what you couldn't work for or do on your own. And so coming to the end of your road is saying, God, I can't figure this out. God, I can't do this. I recognize that I can't get into heaven on my own work. And so we, by faith, believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, that his death and his resurrection, by faith, we recognize that's how we can experience forgiveness, a relationship with God and heaven as our home. Some of you moms maybe have never done that. Some of you brought some of your kids to church today and, and they've never done that. I wanna encourage you to make that decision today. The great, great Mother's Day present is that, you, is that you would get right with God, right? That would be the greatest thing that your mom could ever witness. And this is where I think Jochebed is at. I mean, her faith is in God and she is taking a risk. She's keeping his birth a secret. She puts him in a basket made of papyrus branches. The Hebrew word for the basket is tabah. And it's the same word that's used to describe Noah's Ark. It's a word that's only used twice in the entire Bible. And, and so it's a very unique word. And, and, and I think the distinction is important here that God's grace and love and hand was upon Noah that he would save God's people. And now God's hand of grace and love is upon Moses to become the deliverer of God's people. How did she overcome her fear? Well, she's trusting in God. She's, she's having faith in God. She's laying down her fear and she says, God, you are in control, right? God, I'm having faith in you. We've got to do that as parents. Here's the second part. Let's look at verse four. Verse four, and his sister, this is Moses' sister, stood at a distance to know what would be done, right? He's in a boat in the river. They didn't know what was going to happen or who's going to come up. If it's an Egyptian, they could come and take the baby and immediately throw it in the water. She doesn't know. She's let him go. She's having faith in God to take care of him. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while her young woman uh, walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said this, this is one of the Hebrew children. She didn't follow what her dad had commanded, which was to kill baby Hebrew boys. She doesn't, she has compassion on him. Then his sister, Moses' sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, Moses' mom. This is unbelievable. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you wages, I'll pay you. So the woman took the child and nursed him. What a mother's day. What if you got paid to be a mom? That would be incredible, right? Sign us up for that deal. She let him go and God gave him back. Hmm. There's some deep truth there for some moms today. 
Give up the worry and trust. Trust what? Here's the, here, here's the question that Jochebed, I'm sure, understood. And that is, who's in control? Who's in control? Are you in control or is God in control? I think every parent in the room struggles with control at some level, right? We, we, we struggle with this idea of control and, 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 and we struggle with this because we want to keep our kids safe and we want them to turn out, you know, to be great people. And we think that if we can control our kids, if we do the right things, then they will turn out the way that we want them to. We want to lay our head on our pillows and know that our kids, teenagers, you know, middle schoolers, high schoolers, or college students, young adults are in their rooms at night reading their Bibles and praying to God as they fall asleep. That's what we want, right? We want control. But the reality is God has given your child a free will and your teenager has the right to remain stupid. <laughs> Unfortunately, they can choose smartly or they can choose stupid. It's up to them. Now, of course, we control what we can control. And what can we control, parents? It's very simple what we can control. We can control our decisions. We can control our attitude. And we can control our response. But we cannot control our children. And the sooner, mom, that you can realize that truth, the happier your life will be. But if you're trying to control your kids and direct every little step of their life and hovering over them along the way, you're going to consistently bump your head against the wall and you're going to stress yourself out because you cannot control your kids. Now, this depends on how compliant they are, obviously. If they're compliant and if, they, if you like the decisions they're making, you're going to feel fantastic. The issue comes, though, with those kids that aren't so compliant and that aren't doing exactly what you want them to do. And that's where the real control battle begins. So we settle the question, though, with who's in control? We settle that with God. God is in control. Now think about parenting like this. If you've ever been a whitewater rafting, you've been on this raging river, right? Think of the raging river, you know, barreling down with all these rocks and whitewater. This is parenting. <laughs> this is life. And uh, your kids are moving down the river, right? We can't, we can't stop the river. We can't turn the boat around and try to go upstream. It's impossible to do that. Life is heading this way and they are, they are moving away from your control and they are moving into more of your influence and eventually they're gonna leave the nest. Like I know, right? They're little and they love you and they wanna be around with you and they're tiny, but they're on their way out. And so parenting is a lot like this, you know, river rapids. And then some, sometimes things are smooth. Things are good. Everybody's good and everybody's happy. Everybody's healthy. And it's a smooth ride. And the river ride looks like this. I love you, mom. Happy Mother's Day. You know, it's fantastic. We live for those days and we want those days. And we hope that this is the majority of our time as moms and dads. But if you're a parent, this is kind of how life feels like. <laughs> I mean, if you've got teenagers, you never know when the raft is going to flip, but it sometimes feels like it's flipping on a regular basis and you're hanging on for dear life. <laughs> and the, the, the reality for us is that this journey sometimes is smooth. Sometimes it, 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 it you know, wrecks our life. It, 
you know, makes us feel like we're hanging on for dear life. We feel like as parents, it's going too fast. But for our teenagers, they feel like it's going too slow. But the reality is as moms and as dads, we've got to answer this question when we start to worry, who's in control? And we have to remind ourselves that that God's in control. He's got our kids. We're praying for them. We're influencing them. We're guiding them. We're doing our part. We made the basket and we put it in the, in the river. We did our part, but God, you're in control. You've got them. And we've got to let that settle in our hearts. We've got to recognize that Moses' mother didn't have control over the situation. She only had influence. And this influence is what she used to, to help guide and to help love um, her son. When we realize how limited our control is, though, we get really fearful as parents. When you step back and you think, man, I really don't have control and, that, and, and then that hits you, there's a lot of fear in that. And so we start doing what we call what if parenting. Have you ever done that? What if they don't pass? And what if they fail? And what if they don't go to college? And what if they don't graduate? And what if they become addicts? And what if they get arrested? And what if, what if, what if, right? I mean, we go through this scenario of things that aren't happening, right? But what that is really is an, an attempt to control our kids. It's an attempt to control our kids and control their behavior by worrying about their future. Now, we all know worrying doesn't do anything for the future, but it makes us feel good when we're doing it. <laughs> it makes us feel like we're in control because we're figuring out all the what if situations. I'm ready for everything. If it happens, I've worried about it. And somehow that gives us a level of control. We feel like we can control their behavior. Why? Well, because if you do this and do this, I see what's going to happen. So you better straighten up, buddy. Right? And so we put that out there and then you put your buddy, and this, try to connect the dots. It doesn't work too well sometimes. And so what do we do? We have to realize that we don't have control, that God is in control and that God has them. And that God is, 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 is in control of the future. If you're what if parenting all the time, your focus is on the future. Anxiety and worry pull you into the future. And guess what? You don't live in the present. And you miss the present joy. And you miss the present love. And you miss the present decisions. And you miss the present marriage. You have to live your life, mom. I don't want to discourage you. I want to help you experience freedom today because some of you are in the thick of it and you've got to release it. You got to trust and you got to breathe and you got to live your life and you got to let go of the worry and you got to, go, you got to let go of the fear. You got to remind yourself who's in control. God's in control. God is in control and I'm going to trust him and I'm living for him. Who am I going to live for? I'm going to live for him. I can control my decisions. I can control my attitude. I can control my response. And that's it. God's in charge of the rest. I'm not going to be God. I'm not going to try to be God anymore. And here's the final question that I want you to ask yourself when worry starts to creep in. She answered the question, who loves my child the most? She had to know. Who loves my child the most? Is it me? Is it you, mom, or is it God? See, God loves your kid more than you do. 
Jochebed is just trying to get through the day. She's just trying to survive the day. God is preparing a boy to be a man. God's doing something bigger in your kids than you know. They've got their journey. You had your journey. You control what you can control. You let go of the rest. You let go of the rest. It's gonna be in God's hands and you can trust him. We wanna ask ourselves these three questions. It can be heartbreaking. It can be nerve wracking. Sometimes we're gonna lose sleep, but something must tell you that God is in control and he loves your kids more than even you do. And so we trust him and we trust him and we trust him. Jochebed gets to be with her son for the first uh, few years, nursing him as a baby, but she has to let go of him again because after the first few years, he's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He's gotta go and be raised as an Egyptian. Why? Because God is preparing him to be the leader that redeems and leads God's people out of bondage and into freedom and into true worship. God's got a plan for your son as well. He's got a plan for your daughter. And I know it may not feel like things are going the way that you want them to go, but you don't give up and you don't let, you don't, you don't try to grasp for control. You keep praying and you keep praying and you do your part and we trust that God is gonna do his part. It's very scary. It can be very frustrating, but it's the journey that God has us on. And my prayer today is that some of you would release some of the fear and tension in your life as a mom specifically. So would you just bow your heads and I wanna pray over you and I wanna encourage everybody in the room today that you would just pray as I pray that this would be a prayer over this room. Pastor Taylor is gonna pray over you in Knoxville as I pray today. How many moms in the room just by a show of hands would say, yo, I am seriously worried about something and I need this today, I need prayer today. Anybody, any moms? Hi, all over the rooms. Let me pray for you. Father, you see these hands. God, you know every situation you know every single need that every one of these moms has. Lord, I pray that you would give them faith today, give them encouragement today, that you are working, that you are moving, that you are doing things, God, that they can't see. And so God, give them faith. God, give them discernment to be able to say what they need to say and not say what they don't need to say. God, guide their hearts, guide their spirit. God, give them love and encouragement today. Lift them up today, Lord. Lord, I do pray for their son, their daughter, whatever situation those kids might be going through today. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would preach the gospel to them through Foothills Church, through a friend, through another church. God, take them into your presence and save them. Change their heart. God, break them of their sin. I pray that the Holy Spirit, God, would convict them today, wherever they're at. And Lord Jesus, that you would move them into the truth of the gospel, out of the darkness, out of the sadness, out of the sin, and into your glorious light. We believe it and we trust that you will do it 
right here and right now. And Lord, as we are in the waiting, God, would you help us to be able to let go? Help us to let go of the fear. Help us to let go of the worry. Help us to let go of our kids, God, because we know they belong to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.